Gotta aim for the top like Hello Yeah I can never doubt myself I know better All of you critics be acting like you know better Here's a fact If you ask yourself that question Does this feed my faith, my family, or my finances And it doesn't If you do that I guarantee it'll, it'll guide your decisions Alright, welcome to the Now or Never podcast All things entrepreneurship and business People who just take life and kick it square in the ass I'm your host Tim Rexius uh, My wife my co-host Brittany supposed to be here today, but uh, she had to run to do an emergency run at one of the gym facilities. Uh, doors need to be fixed, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. The life it, that is a business owner. Um, you know, it's been about two months since we've been on, and a lot of questions why. A lot of people are requesting more, and, and so I'll go through the quick synopsis of the timeline. So back in mid-April, I was unloading some equipment off the dock outside one of the gyms. Guys didn't bring the right truck, so we're unloading it by hand. Guys drop the other side. I'm holding a 400-pound piece of equipment. Bam. Snaps the bicep tendon right off the bone of my left arm. Two days later, have emergency surgery. Reconnect it. Looking at a six-month prognosis. I've been able to lift weights in like two months, which is the longest in the last 12 years, I'd say. Um, and then I had some complications. Uh, it was kind of crazy. The day after surgery... Um, you know, the night after the night after surgery, I, I the legs started getting sore. It was kind of weird. And, um, you know, I couldn't get up. I had my son had to help me get up and, and it was just painful on my legs, which is weird because my surgery was on my arm. Right. So by the next morning, like I'm in some serious pain. My, my, my legs are at a 12. It's hard to move. My wife had to put my socks and shoes on, help me get in the car. She's like, you should just stay home. I'm like, hell no, I'm going to work. Cause that's what, that's what we do as entrepreneurs, right? We don't, the hustle doesn't stop because you're sick. The hustle doesn't stop because it's a weekend either. The hustle, you just, it's all day. It's 24, seven, 365. So I got to work. She goes off to a meeting about 11 o'clock in the morning. I have to go to the bathroom. So I'm hollering at some of my guys here and gals, and they couldn't help me get up out of the chair. I didn't have the physical strength to stand up. So they called Brittany back. She can't help me. Next thing you know, it was pretty much a non-optional from Brittany and Kirsten. We're calling an ambulance. So the ambulance comes up here to the office, to the, my office next door to the studio here. And the firemen and the EMTs help get me on the stretcher take me down to my car because I wanted to go back to the same hospital I had surgery for a continuum of care and they couldn't take me there. So the guys were super cool about it. I actually have two gift baskets here for the fire department. I got to give them uh, anyway. So get to uh, ortho Nebraska and they're basically a whole bunch of doctors and surgeons come down and they go, we don't know what the hell is wrong with you. Your potassium is bottomed out. We're worried about you having a heart attack. So we're going to hook you up to an EKG, start giving you potassium, da, 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 da. After an hour, it's just getting worse. My legs feel like they're on fire. So they put me in another ambulance, take me to another hospital. I get admitted and now I got doctors flying everywhere. And I've had two, three bags of potassium, a couple of banana bag IVs full of uh, other fluids, and it's still dropping. Now they're talking about putting me into a medically induced coma. I've now lost the full function of my legs all the way up to my abs. Everything feels like on fire. My eyes feel like they're on fire. Extremely painful and scary. By about midnight that night, I pass out from the pain. Finally, they hang a fifth bag of potassium and the next morning magnesium. Uh, but by that, later that morning, the next morning, about 9 a.m., I start wiggling my toes. Pain started subsiding. Potassium came back finally in the good range. They still don't have any idea why. Pretty sure I'm the second known case ever of post-paralysis hypokalemia. They don't know what caused it. It's just scary shit. And, and just a testament to me, which I can say this because my wife's not here to argue about it. Um, we get back home about one o'clock that day and 
take a shower. She's like, what do you want to do? I'm like, I want to go back to work. And she, and it was funny. I get to the office and Kirsten's like, I'm going to kidney punch you. I'm like, listen, here's the lesson of life. Had I stayed home and recovered like everyone else said, I probably would have been dead by two o'clock because there's no way I would have been able to get up. Um, and we wouldn't have known, you know, what was wrong. I'm not great at going to the doctor. So, uh, my, uh, my workaholic nature actually saved my life. So here I am and we're good. Then of course, three weeks later, I broke my toe teaching my 14 year old daughter how to throw a shot put. Then I twisted my ankle favoring my left leg because my right toe was broke and dress shoes doing a ribbon cutting, uh, for a press conference. And, uh, so I haven't been able to do anything in about two and a half months and it's been extremely aggravating, but I have an appointment next Monday and I'm hoping the doc says, Rexius, go ahead and lift weights because God damn it. I got to tell you how much of my life that is. And it's been tough with my schedule and the insanity of all three companies and how busy it's been to really give dedicated time to the gym. And I know you would think owning three gyms, like, God, you should be able to uh, no, I go there and half the time I get bombarded with questions and, and, and all good stuff, you know, cause people, people, uh, you know, support our businesses and they're going to get my attention, but how much I miss being able to compete, how much I miss being able to train and just go all in this whole, every one of our companies is surrounded by the fitness and health industry and me not taking time for my own fitness and health is kind of insane. And so for me, I'm now so excited after not being able to go. Now it's all I think about. And I can't freaking wait to start slanging and banging some weights and actually do cardio on purpose. I swear to God. So uh, plus I got, I got chubby because my wife's a really good cook and she has a metabolism and I don't. So anyways, that's what's happened. So now we're getting back to, you know, uh, consistency here with the podcast, hoping to get at least one episode a week. Um, if not more, we'll kind of see how it goes. We're rebranding everything right now. It's been a crazy couple months. We took our OPP popcorn, which is currently called Optimal Performance Popcorn Company. We can drop that. It's going to be rebranded to the Omaha Protein Popcorn Company. Uh, this is where we're at. This is what we do. And we're going to change the name. Still OPP, just the actual original acronym that I wanted uh, when I first started this thing four or five years ago. But we took it to the Sweets and Snacks event in Chicago. Let me tell you, folks, the guys in the supplement industry that follow me you think the olympia is big <laughs> you have no idea this thing was three times the size of the olympia but that god knows how many countries across the world but what a for me like being in business in in, in being tenured in what i do the food industry is a whole different animal for me so it was really interesting to see how this thing worked and just that's it was within six hours of being there we're like okay and this is part of being a business owner right it's a rebrand we need you know, we go to bodybuilding competitions where like everybody's, you know, selling gains everywhere, right? Everybody's got protein stacks. So we go to a sweets and snacks convention with Hershey's and, and Ferrero and all that. Well, we're one of like three out of 900. So all of a sudden, okay, we need to make it in the name. We got to redo the packaging. We got to upgrade. We got to upgrade our boxes. We got to upgrade our, you know, entire ability for retail, for grocery stores and gas stations. And we've got a C-store company that we're dealing with right now that represents 89,000 convenience stores. I mean, this is massive, you know, um, got to talk to the buyers from Walmart. That was super cool. And high V nationally. And, and we have some internationals with Opus partners over in London and in Dubai. Uh, this is going big time, but this is what we've worked so hard for, for so many years. And, you know, that's part of uh, being a good entrepreneur is dropping your ego at the door and realizing, okay, what's the best way to get this thing done? And it's an investment of money. It's an investment of time. It's an investment of overcoming your ego and being like, okay, what's a better way. And so that's kind of what we're doing right now. Um, you know, with, with, with the OPP VHI can't announce it yet. Um, but there's some major changes. 
Uh, we're developing a clinical line with a new partner that's going to be jumping in the company, uh, which I can't announce yet, but it, it'll be, it, it's awesome. Super jacked um, on that front because we're going to come out with probably up to 40 new SKUs. Now we're already pretty big for our company size. We have 80 SKUs and by the health international, if you include the popcorn, but we're going to go to 120, which is going to make us one of the biggest, uh, broad. And so for the Rexy stores, we'll have our own protein line via VHI to start out with eventually to wholesale. We're adding an entire clinical line. This is going to be the best of the best, the most purest uh, ingredients, uh, and, and, and thanks for functional health on the planet. Um, and nobody's been able to hold a candle to us. And so I'm super excited to kind of get that underway. And once we're able to announce that new, uh, partnership with our guys, um, and what's all going on, we'll have a podcast about it and it's going to be awesome. So, but major growth, we're going, we're going for broke on this deal. And, you know, the Rexia stores, we've had three new franchises in the last, I think, 90 days, sign up, some already open or buyouts. Um, a lot of changes, you know, we, uh, we sold council bluffs to a franchise. We sold Bellevue last year to a franchise two years ago. We sold Norfolk three months ago. We sold Sioux city. Uh, so right now, currently I own the Kearney location, uh, Omaha on 120th and center, 108th and Maple and 67th center in Exarvin. We'll eventually hopefully franchise off Kearney to our manager, Justin out there. Who's doing an awesome killer job. Um, and you know, it's a good chance that we'll probably sell Exarvin here in Omaha. Um, I don't know if I ever sell Maple and Center, but I might. Simple fact is I need more time to be able to devote to helping the franchisees, growing BHI and Iron Heaven. And this is just full transparency, folks. I'm just being honest. Is, you know, owner operators do better. They do. They make more money. They care more. They're able to do the little things that are necessary to be successful. And it's hard for me at this size to be able to do that because there's just not enough hours in the day. And I can't be everywhere at the same time. And it's, you know, and it's basically me dropping any level of greed down because I make way less money as a uh, owning the franchise rights than I do actually operating it. But without great staff, I'm nothing. And the simple fact is you have these super talented people. I need to be able to make it easier for them to own. Um, and so that's what we're doing. And so just full transparency. That's why you're seeing us sell some of the locations is because these guys, even if they worked for me before, their sales go up at when they own. They'll do the little things. They'll do the farmer's markets. They'll do the, you know, the table at the local 5K run. I can't be at every event all the time. And I can't ask staff to do it either. You can't ask a staff member to put in seven days worth of work um, as an employee. They'll do it as an owner. So that's kind of where we're at. Um, and it, it's a big deal. So, and, and there, people ask like, why is franchising growing so much? Well, it's simple. People are sick of being a fucking number on a page. They want to have an impact. They want to have a voice. And the only real way to do that is to own. Learn the job, love the job, own the freaking job. You're in charge of your own destiny. You're in charge of your own income. Why do it with us? Because we're growing. Because I put you first. We do the long profit model, which means I make nothing on you in the beginning. All mine comes down 10, 20 years when you are successful. And I'm the only one doing that. I can guarantee freaking to you that, which is why we're growing when everyone else is shrinking. So if you want to be in charge of where you want to be in 10 years from now, quit working for someone else and learn how to own it. And that's why I'm doing it for my own guys and gals who work for me. They're extremely talented. And I also know without them, I don't exist. And so I see a model here in the next five years or more where we may not own any locations. 
that we may just be the franchisor running the warehouse, helping the franchisees, helping really kick ass owner operators make the best living in their life and in control of their own destiny. And that's the freaking goal. So, you know, it's been a major change in motives for me, to be honest with you. It, it, uh, you know, years ago, I, I, I said, you know, I wanted to have 20 or sort of my own locations, but, I don't. Honestly, it, the market has changed. Certain people just part-time staffing has become incredibly difficult. Um, understanding that the value of the people inside the store is everything. Um, you cannot just replace a really killer manager just by paying more money or doing else. Also, retail costs have gone up. People need to understand how the marketplace actually works and most people don't. Um, understand property values go up. Okay. Well, that kills a small business owner. And let me tell you why. With all the stuff that happened in the pandemic, if almost every single retail spot that you rent, you're paying cam costs, triple nets. Okay, you're paying property taxes, property maintenance, and um, upkeep and everything else. So if the property taxes of the, of the commercial property, even if it's a huge shopping mall, right, go up, you're paying your pro rata share of that. And if that goes up 20% in the last two years, which it has, or more, your rent just went up 20%, right? Well, your employees, they're renting spots or they may own a house. Guess what? Well, their property taxes went up. So their, their cost of living increased with the inflationary rate. Now they want to get paid more. But obviously COVID screwed everybody. I mean, just with supply and demand chain, which we're just now really feeling the heat of it. And it's it's harder now than it was in the midst of the pandemic, 100% honest. And I'll get to that in a second. But so now our costs have gone up. But shit ass companies like, you know, big M, well, we'll just let it. Uh, a bald dude owns it. You get what I'm saying. And they ship next door next day. But anyways, like they're still keeping their costs, the, the retail price low. So our margins have shrunk. Our costs have gone up, which makes it very hard when I'm employing people and matching, uh, you know, uh, payroll tax wages. This is where the owner operator is doing fine, actually making more money than they've ever made. Where the guy running the company with lots of employees is kind of getting his ass kicked, honestly, making less than I've ever made. Um, because I want to pay my people as fair wages as I possibly can, still pay my bills and do my job. It just makes sense to translate into this. And it's, you know, it's it that's hard for me because I thought someday a lot of my kids might take over some of the stores. Well, if that doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. It's all about the legacy we're leaving, not the specific location. Um, it's the brand we're building, not just one set of doors. And it had to be a major mindset change for me. And two, let's be real, it's twice in the last year I've almost died bilateral back to pneumonia a year ago in May, then this thing, I got to understand I mean, and recognize that my stress levels from overworking probably are not terribly healthy. Not taking my own health and fitness as, as a serious priority and being second case to my work ethic is not, in, in business, is not a healthy uh, attitude or, or a particular way of doing going about things. So, it's just, you know, sometimes you got to sit there and gut check and look at yourself and be like, hey, I'm not doing shit right. And that's, you know, my body told me, like, listen, your, your mind is right and your, your mind and your mouth are right and checks your body can't cash. Um, and that's where I'm at. And it, it's, uh, you know, but it's, it's also awesome. I get as much fun, if not more, out of seeing a franchisee take control of their financial future, their family future, their destiny. Than I do anything else. And so for me, like, especially it's why I do the podcast, it's why I do all the public speaking engagements. Um, it's, it's, it's just awesome to watch that. And it's getting me to see it in full fruition, which is just badass. And so, um, you know, 
I've toyed around with the idea of raising the price of their franchising because I've had some people who just toyed us along for three or four months to find out they weren't financially capable. And so I thought about hiring brokers and doing these things. And you know what? I made the decision yesterday that no, I want to keep this thing as affordable as possible. I'm not going to raise the price back up. I'm going to keep divulging uh, and putting my time into people and investing into people and making it so that this is the most affordable franchise on the planet. Right now you can start a Rexius for anywhere from 45 to 50 K turnkey done, ready to open. There's nobody else in my space that's even within half a distance of me, not even close. But I want you paying that loan off and making money for the next 20 years, happy as hell to see us. And so I'm going to commit to that model. You know, so if you can afford a brand new Dodge truck, guess what? You can afford to open a Rexius. So instead of wasting your money with something that loses half its fucking value the second you drive it off the lot, start a business that makes you money the second you open the freaking door. So that's that's the lesson of the story. Um you know, there's not a whole lot more for me to go over on this episode other than just, you know, updating you guys where we're at. The businesses are cranking. The gyms are expanding massively. Um, and, you know, we're going to we just expand a stone gate, 3000 square feet to have a leg room. Why not? And uh, when Nick brought it up, I thought he was kind of crazy. And sure, shit, he was right. It has been we're adding members faster than we can keep up with. The Chandler gym looks like we might expand it uh, 300 percent the size it is, which is just badass. Gretna's filling up fast. We're upgrading constantly. And hell knows, we'll probably be a fourth and fifth gym at some point in the future uh, because we're just really enjoying the shit out of it. You know, Steve's been an, a badass GM. Uh, and, and we're gonna have to get him an assistant at some point in time. Um, you know, and, and we're going to get back to doing more content. You know, I have a lot of content that's already been created. I haven't even posted. Uh, so looking and bringing a marketing firm in to help us do that. Uh, you know, I've done so many speaking engagements and press conferences the last three months. I just haven't posted any of the shit. And I promise you, I'm going to get better with that. I have an entire episode on internet trolls. I want to do, um, you know, here's a piece of advice. Cut out all negativity from your life. And this, for most of you, is going to really include social media. Okay. It, negativity is like a cancer that reaches into your body and sucks out your energy. And so you engaging into bullshit on social media is stealing your positivity. It's stealing your energy. It's stealing your creativity. It's stealing your income. It's stealing everything. How is it your income? Because if you're not working as hard, because if you're down, you can't manifest things of positive nature in your life. It's just not possible. So if you're one of these assholes who goes on and just argues with people on posts on Facebook, one, just delete yourself. Two, um, if you're the type of person who posts this crap just for prior attention, I, unfollow, unlike, and block are my favorite freaking tools on social media. I use social media for business and for memes, and that's it. Simple fact is, is you were letting these things leach into your life and half of these people's problems that message into us wanting help with businesses, wanting help with personal lives, with marriages and everything else. Nine times out of 10, it's the negativity they surround themselves with. So what I've had to do is I've had to cancel friends, people that I've known for 20 years have had to go to the wayside because they're too negative. They bring negativity into my circle. I don't have time for that shit. I have goals to crush. So I certainly don't have time to get into your bullshit on social media. Most of you don't even know what you're talking about half the time. You're copying and pasting somebody else's bullshit who didn't know what they were talking about. And me even commenting on it is wasting my energy and my time that I could give to my family, my businesses, and my future. So pro tip of the day, cut out bullshit. Assholes are assholes. Social media just gave them a megaphone. Start using shit for good or don't say anything at all. It's just the old adage back in kindergarten. If you can't say something nice, don't say something at all. Literally read that shit into your life. And I'm telling you, it'll change your attitude. 
Instead, how about this? How about you take one or two minutes a day and just go put nice shit on people's pages or posts, even if you don't agree with them, right? Or even if for whatever reason, just, just bypass the stuff you don't agree with and say, hey, nice shoes, nice hair, open the door for the person at, at the grocery store. You know, any of that kind of crap, pay for the coffee of the person behind you at scooters, which I think is ridiculous considering how expensive that shit is. But you know what, breathe positivity into your world and cut out the negative negativity. Like if there's somebody in your life that's causing po- constant negativity into your company, to your family, to your life, cut it out. Life is short, it could all be over tomorrow. And you're wasting your time dealing with people who may not who may not want the best for you because people who want the best for you won't try to bring you down into their misery. Always be there for your friends. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, you know, be there for people. Be a doorway. Be a doorway for people into a better life. Be a doorway to people to a better income, to another business opportunity, into positivity. But don't be a doormat to be walked over. So that's it. Lesson of the day. Thanks, guys. Tune in next week. I'll start having guests back on. I'll have my wife back on. Yes, I know. She's much better looking to me and nicer to listen to. And uh, we'll have some other special guests. Big announcement with VHI coming up. You guys are going to shit yourselves when you hear this stuff. So see you guys next week. Yeah.